Daniel Edgar Sickles was appointed first secretary to the United States legation in London at a time when there was much dispute between Britain and the United States. Sickles, known as an eloquent yet tough-minded figure in the politics of New York, had been chosen by the new minister to the court of St. James's, a crotchety Democrat elder named James Buchanan. Dan Sickles was to work with Buchanan in London on a number of important American objectives, not least of which was convincing the British government that it was in everyone's interest to let the United States acquire Cuba, either by purchase or force of arms. Those who met, knew, trusted and loved Dan Sickles swore by his loyalty, discretion and effectiveness. He was urbane, intellectually gifted, a skilful lawyer. He had already served a political apprenticeship as a New York State Assemblyman, and no one doubted that a seat in Congress lay ahead. For the moment, he had given up the choice post of attorney to the New York Corporation to serve his nation at Buchanan's side in Britain. Some said he was escaping debts in New York, but they were predictably Republicans. A trim-waisted, neatly-made fellow of just under average height, he carried in his luggage excellent suits and, for use at the British court, the uniform of a colonel of New York militia. He was a promising Yankee, a man with a future, on his way to show the British a thing or two. Yet there was in this stylish New Yorker a tendency to embrace poles of behaviour, to go from coolness to delirium in a second, and from statesmanship to excess. His tendency towards berserk and full-blooded risk was partly characteristic of the city he had grown up in, the age he lived in, and his own soul. Thus, on August the 6th, 1853, in the presidency of Franklin Pierce, the elderly bachelor Buchanan and the married Dan boarded one of the relatively new and splendidly fitted paddle steamers of the U.S. Mail Steamship Company. But Dan's young wife, Teresa, and his infant daughter were not to join him in London until the following spring, when the child would be considered old enough to face the Atlantic crossing. Instead of Teresa, Dan had invited with him to London a young and successful Mercer Street prostitute named Fanny White. He had been a lover of the succulent, worldly Fanny for some years, since well before his marriage, and now he had invited her to see the sights of London with him over the next six months. She jumped at the chance, left her New York brothel under the management of a friend, and bought her steamer ticket. Dan intended to set her up in rooms where he could visit her, and he was willing to have her accompany him to the West End theatres and operas, for he loved both. In early 1854, news reached New York, and would ultimately be printed in certain sections of the New York press, that Fanny White had expressed to the indulgent Dan an interest in meeting the woman who would give her name to the era, Queen Victoria. And Dan had been rash enough to take Fanny to a royal reception at Buckingham Palace, at which he passed her off to the Queen and Prince Albert as Miss Julia Bennett of New York. Thus, the proprietor of a fashionable New York bordello took the hand of and executed a curtsy toward the monarch of Great Britain and the arbiter of strenuous moral ambitions for an entire empire, even for those lost sections now incorporated into the United States. Years later, when Dan was involved in murder, military slaughters and Washington politics, the tale of his association with Fanny White would be repeated by those hostile to him as a clear model of the sort of fellow he was and of the faults and outrages inherent in him. 
As for his friends, including Mr. Buchanan and later Mr. Lincoln, they seemed, like many others, to forgive him everything. Only some sixteen years earlier, Dan had been considered by his parents, George Garrett Sickles and Susan Marsh Sickles, to be sufficiently unsettled and in need of special tutoring, that they arranged for him to live in the scholarly house of the Da Ponte family on Spring Street, New York. It was a household like few others in that hard-handed, mercantile city, at a time when New York had little of the Italian character it would later take on. Dan was already an admirer of Professor Lorenzo da Ponte the Younger, an engaging man in his late thirties who held a chair at the institution that would soon acquire the name New York University. Dan's father, George, had introduced Professor da Ponte to his son as an improving influence. The junior da Ponte may have been an impressive fellow, but the head of the household was an astonishing old...